Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hey friends, Shugbury here with Women's Hot Topics. Did you know that the topics that we get on the table here are given to us by people like you? They send it to us at our webpage at himforher.org and they donate because this is a listener-sponsored show. Ladies, I have been across the whole nation interviewing people and it's been amazing. But today's topic is a sensitive one. And you might think to yourself, well, this is not going to apply to me. But do listen if it it may, you might have a friend who is dealing with the situation or a family member or something might come up down the road. So this show is for everybody. And what is it called? It's called When There Is No Cure for My Child. And when there's no cure for your child with chronic illness, it can be a challenge for not just the parents and the child, but for the entire family. Emotions like anger, worry, along with ongoing medical appointments, constrain finances and marriages, not to forget about the other siblings that are witnessing this and coming alongside as family. Your life turns upside down with this diagnosis when it happens in your life. And I've got two heroes with me today. I am in awe of the parents that live and breathe 24-7, some of the challenges in their life. Let me introduce to you two of them. Susan Seward and Jill Hunt. You guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us, Shug. Thank you, Shug. Let me tell you a little bit about our friends. I do know them personally, and that's why I asked them on the show. Susan Seward is a resident of Chanhassen, Minnesota, and has been married for 30 years to her lover, Bob, and is mom to Nick, 28, and Adam, 23. Her professional career has been in talent acquisition with Fortune 500 companies in the Twin Cities. Her passion has been leading women to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ through leading Bible studies at Westwood Church and volunteering at Him for Her Ministries. If that sounds familiar, that's us. Uh, She leads our mentorship program and helps women transition out of Shakopee Prison and supporting them in the community. Thank you, Susan. Glad to be here, Shug. Jill Hunt lives in Plymouth, Minnesota with her husband of 27 years, Darren. They have two phenomenal daughters. Ooh, phenomenal. I'm going to use that for my kids next time. Katie, (laughs) 22, and Grace, 20. They are their greatest achievements. Jill is an executive assistant contractor for Him For Her Ministries. Yes, you know what she is to me? She is my marriage keeper because she's the one who works so hard behind the scenes to make not only our prison ministry happen, but also our radio show and editing. Thank you again. Prior to this position, she invested many years working in public charter schools. She enjoys using her gifts to encourage and edify the church as a whole. Again, ladies, thanks for coming on board. Thank you, Shug. So I'm going to get right to the meat of it. It's really a difficult topic when there's no cure for my child. Um, Susan, if you could start out for me and just give us a little background and history of your story. Absolutely. So my son, Nick, was born and presented as a healthy newborn. Um, But at six months, he was missing all of his uh, growth milestones. And my husband and I knew at that point that we needed more medical attention. 
And one of the things that we had done was a, a genetic study and it did come back that he had a very rare chromosome deletion. And back in 1994, there wasn't really much information at all available as to what that meant for his life, for his lifespan, for the skills that he'd be able to achieve. So it was, we were really in the dark and just had to take it day by day and celebrate what accomplishments he could do and find ways to work around um, the complications of his life as a medically fragile person. Mm -hmm. That's a good phrase, medically fragile person. I'm going to remember that. Jill, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, uh, it was in the summer of 2004. I had taken um, both of our, my daughters to the pediatrician and we were just doing sort of a routine. It wasn't anything serious. Uh, but a few months prior, the pediatrician had asked if uh, we could do some genetic testing on our youngest, Grace. And so um, when I went back for this routine uh, checkup, she kind of unloaded um, what had been found. It had just come back and um, she had a rare blood disorder. It's a genetic uh, issue as well. Uh, it's called Fanconi anemia. It was super rare. And there wasn't a lot they knew about it at the time. And so she started reading out of her medical textbook and it was not good. Um, at that time, they were telling us she had like two years to live. Um, and so we went, it, it kind of just started almost a race um, to figure out what's the next step? What do we do? Um, and so she sent us to St. Jude. And it went on and on and on. And we had quite a journey talking to different medical facilities and um, ended up at the University of Minnesota that is the best in the world for that particular disease. And so you actually happened to move from California to Minnesota. We were in Springfield, Missouri during her diagnosis because Darren had gone back to college. So he was at Central Bible College there. So. Um, yeah, we had been in California, but we moved back to, to Missouri during that time. So, so yes, we did move from, we, he stopped what he was doing because we didn't have time to finish that. Everything kind of went on hold and we did make the move up to the Twin Cities. So a two year diagnosis could live for two years. How long ago was that? And what age is she today? Um, <clears throat> she was diagnosed. We first found out in the summer of 2004. And um, so it's been, uh, it will be 18 years, I believe, in March. Praise yeah. God. That's yeah. so exciting. Praise God. Oh, that's amazing. Now, I really appreciate that both of you come from such a different perspective because Jill, your daughter is older. And uh, Susan, your son actually has a mind of someone very young. You had shared that with me. What would you say his age was? So chronically, he's 28 years old, but cognitively, he functions at an eight to 10 month level. So my son is in a man body, man size, but he is a toddler and he loves toddler things. He uh, engages like a toddler. He uh, has programming of a toddler and he's very innocent, very pure, very loving. So we're blessed in that regard that we don't have behavior issues, which a lot of families struggle with when kids have special needs. Um, but he'll forever be a pure, innocent toddler for the rest of his life. You know, Susan, what was your first reaction when you got the diagnosis? We were devastated. My husband and I married late. We were in our 30s and um, both of us always wanted to be a mom or a dad. And so very excited when we were able to conceive and, and 
we thought we had a healthy baby um, at the beginning. So a lot of joy there. And you're just not prepared. There's nothing like Jill's experience that prepares you for that doctor to walk back in the room and say, you have a profoundly impacted, in my case, a, a baby. Um, and not having the ability to receive all the answers to your questions because you have thousands of questions when you get a diagnosis like that. And today it's so um, much better researched and his, his uh, condition actually has a name. It didn't have a name back when he was diagnosed. It was just called 22Q13 deletion, which technically means the 22nd chromosome in his body is missing 50% of its DNA. And so that's why it's so impactful for his body. He's in a wheelchair. He can't feed himself. Uh, he is in diapers. Uh, he needs full assistance um, in all of his cares and, and daily activities. We didn't know that then, but of course, as he aged and got older and, and really kind of stayed at that toddler stage, um, it's it's been very consistent. But we've had a lot of medical issues along the way and surgeries and emergencies and uh, we've almost lost him a couple times throughout mm -hmm. his life um, with ER visits that came very close to his passing. So God has a plan for him and, and he blesses people. You know, you think of the joy that a toddler brings to a family. Um, and so Nick is, it, people love him. They fall in love with him pretty quickly. You know, that's a great attitude. I love that, that thought you brought up, you know, there's been ER visits, there's been uh, testing. I know for you, Jill, Jill, it seems like often you and your daughter are is in the doctor's office getting tested. Um, how do you, how do you deal with not letting your head go into the worst case scenario situation, Jill? This is something that, that, we've, that I've struggled with. Um, I think it, it's the hardest thing is because there is a lot of waiting. So there's always testing and there's biopsies and there's, and then you wait, you know, and she heals from that. And then we kind of repeat that, you know, so it can become, um, it can become kind of wearing, it just wears, you know, on you, on your psyche, I guess. But um, I think the biggest thing is to, to keep your, your mind. So our, our mind can, can be, um, you know, we just want to go to like, like you said, the worst case scenario. And I, th I think it's really careful to guard our mind. So um, in Philippians 4, 8, it says, whatever's true and whatever is noble and whatever is right, whatever is pure, right? We think on those things. And I think that's, really important because it, we can, we can become our own, um, our own problem. You know, I mean, we're just, we're thinking, what if this happens and what if this happens and what if this happens, but that might not happen. So I think we just have to be really careful not to get ahead of ourselves. I know in our family and we just don't worry until, as my husband says, there's something to worry about, you know? So <laughs> So, you know, it's yeah. such a blessing that both of you have faith-filled husbands. Yes. And absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to that question because you know you brought it up. It's a really good point, Jill. Uh Darren is a pastor as well. He loves Jesus. Bob is a faith-filled believer. Um, Susan, share with me just a little bit how you guys have leaned into each other and and how did you keep, you know, statistics show that a lot of people break up when they're in a situation in, uh, like this. How did you and Bob as well, I want to hear about Darren as well. Keep it together. Well, you know, Shug, in that first year, it was very difficult because we were both drowning in sorrow and grief and anger. And 
in a marriage, when devastating things happen, usually one of the spouses is able to comfort the other, right? Or be a little bit stronger than the other. But when it's your child, you're both so devastated and heartbroken that it was really hard to comfort each other. We were so blessed to have a wonderful church. Um, Westwood Community Church was just getting started. So it was pretty small at the time. And people just surrounded us with prayer, with bringing meals, with giving us babysitting Nick so we could go out and have some time alone together. And it just really brings you to your knees. And I know Jill will resonate with us as any mom or dad listening to this program is going to understand when there is nothing you can do to fix your child, to help your child, you have no place else to go, but to God. And I don't believe that I would have had the faith journey or my husband would have had the faith journey that we had if Nick had been a typical kid. I think the choices that we made in our life and financial choices and um, how we choose to spend our time, how we vacation, all of that would have been so different if um, if we didn't have Nick in our life. And the people that God brought in to, from the very beginning of his diagnosis, God was so faithful in bringing people into our lives exactly when we needed them. It was never too soon. It was never late. It, and they would come for a season. And we had the, the blessing of having people in our house. That was one of the things we could financially afford to have um, once we had our second child to have someone come in just to focus on Nick's needs. So we could have a little bit more normal family with our second son. And um, several of those ladies came to Christ, just being in our house and seeing how we loved on Nick and how Nick, how God used Nick, right? So here's someone that can't talk, you know, can't function in school from a cognitive perspective. But his little soul just reaches people in a way that's um, that takes no words. It's amazing mm-hmm. to see how God mm-hmm. uses him. You know, God doesn't waste anything. He uses exactly. all of our trials, the happy times, the sad times for his glory. Uh, Jill, I know that you and Darren have been uh, together for quite a while. Uh, what words of advice regarding just marriage would you give to our listeners on how to keep it together during these challenging times? This this type of thing can definitely be a huge strain on a marriage. And because one, you're dealing with the disease itself, you're dealing with the illness, and, and that's very time consuming and it's very draining, but at the same time, you've got, you've got the financial part of it. And that, you know, I mean, even without having a sick child, you know, it's like the number one reason people divorce. Right. So, so Darren and I are best friends and we would just go off. We would just talk to each other. And there were things that we would tell each other that we really couldn't voice to anybody else. You know what I mean? Like there were things that we were worried about. And it was like, I can tell you because I know you get it. And he could tell me because he knows I get it. Having a strong marriage, one, it's going to be difficult if you didn't already have that foundation before the diagnosis comes. Um, if, if you were struggling before, you know, it's going to be really, really difficult. Um, so I think, you know, just having, just having a, 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 that relationship where you can talk openly and honestly, both of you, um, and, and spend time together. You're, you're still going to have to make your marriage a priority. You can't let, and this is really difficult, but if you, if, if you focus only on this to the exclusion of all other relationships, whether it's your marriage or your other children, you're going to have a divided house. It's not going to stand and it's not going to work. So I think you have to sort of 
everybody's needs have to be taken in, into account. And, and, and I want to say that, you know, it's so good to have people in your life. As Susan already said, you're hundred percent correct. Like church family, all of that stuff, they come beside you. They encourage you. They, you know, they, they just do whatever. And it's, it's so what it's, you need those people when you're, you know, in, in the middle of this. Um, but you're going to have sort of those really safe people that you can talk to and be really authentic and raw with. And I think that's important to find. And I want to say that's not everybody because not everybody. And I, I don't mean this in a, I'm not, I don't mean this in a mean way at all, but not everybody is going to be able to emotionally take this journey with you because it can be really heavy for some. Mm-hmm. Would you um, have anything to add to that, Susan? I actually do. I thought of several things as Jill was talking. And one of the very first pieces of advice we got was from our pastor. And he shared that statistic that, you know, 31% more marriages will end in divorce once a child has a disability or a medical issue. And he said, I need you guys today to decide that marriage, excuse me, divorce is not going to be an option for your marriage. Because if you have that stake in the ground and with your faith in Jesus, then you'll be able to get through anything because you know there's no easy out, that you're going to have to figure it out. And I will tell you, through 30 years of marriage, there have been times where our marriage was stressed and difficult, and it took one of us to be humble enough to look at the other person and say, this really is kind of crappy right now, but divorce is not an option for us. So right. let's repent. Let's forgive each other. Let's go to counseling. What do we need to do to move forward? Because we're not going to give up. And I think when a marriage starts with that foundation, first of all, the faith in Jesus is so important. I can't tell you. Um, I don't, I know we have friends that aren't followers and, and I don't know where they get their, their peace from or their strength from. Um, it's, it's much more difficult. I think of, of a journey when you don't have God in it and part of it. And then the other piece, um, like Jill alluded to, as Nick got older, uh, we realized that we needed time alone as a couple, right? Because our, our son, our younger son was getting involved in school activities and things. And you know how you just get busy as parents, right? And sometimes it almost feels like your roommates are two ships passing in a night. So we made a financial decision to uh, save money enough that we could have a date night every other week. So we had found a wonderful um, care provider that could come in every Friday night for three hours. I mean, every other Friday night, sorry. And we did that for years. And it, you need to laugh with your spouse. You need time alone with your spouse. You need to have intimate moments with your spouse. And when you have a child like Nick who needs every couple hours you know, something, diaper change, he needs a drink, he needs his medicine, he needs a meal. I mean, it's you're on the clock 24 seven. He had a sleeping disorder, so he wouldn't sleep through the night. So one of us was always having to get up and deal with him being awake at three in the morning. Um, and so it's never ending. And those date nights, I think were so important. So that would be a piece of advice I would give marriages too, is that carve out time. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Sometimes we just would walk over to Lake Ann and sit on a bench and listen to the birds and you know, just, just be for an hour outside in nature. It's not like you have to go out to eat every time. So um, that would be great advice advice there. And, you know, for not only when you have a challenging situation, 
at home, but all of us in our marriage should make sure. And I think, Susan, you should amp that puppy up to once a week. <laughs> Go out there. Well, you have a little quiet time yeah. uh, on your own now, you know, because it, it just builds that relationship all the more and deeper. Um, you know, you brought up a good point when you both talked about uh, there's a financial strain uh, because you've got ongoing bills, ongoing appointments, um, you know, and, and I just can't even imagine where do you tap into for that? You both work full time. Um, and so help me understand if you would, Susan, shoot, shoot me a little, a little food on this. Help me to understand about the finances. How do you battle it? How do you take care of it? And is there support out there for other people? Well, we've been very blessed in that I've had an outstanding career uh, throughout the entirety of our marriage where I've worked for great companies that had wonderful insurance. So we would always hit our co-pays every year, of course, and then it, a lot of the costs were covered through our insurance providers. So that was definitely a blessing. Um, when our second son was born and he uh, was two, um, Bob had an opportunity to take a, 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 a layoff, a package, I can't think, wasn't thinking the right word. Uh, it's not retirement, but his company was offering uh, voluntary layoffs and he, he took that package and he was gonna stay home and, and help with raising our boys for just one year. But actually it turned out to be the entirety of our son's journeys and now they're 28 and 23. And so he was a stay-at-home dad before that was a popular concept. And all the ladies in our neighborhood would say, your husband just puts us to shame the way he runs around with activities with your two sons and he's always at the park or taking him swimming or he loved it. He, my, my husband has a very young soul. And so he really got into an enjoyment of being busy with our boys and, and helping raise them. And um, I was so glad that we could do that. Um, but we did, we we're still in the same house that we moved into when we were first married. Um, we drive old cars. Um, we don't take expensive vacations. I mean, you just really have to be planful financially of what what's coming down the road. And, and, and now Nick, of course, is a, a, an adult. And so um, there's things like social security and, and Medicare that helps with his costs. So it's not as financially burdensome after they turn 18, but we were very much living on a budget and, and being financially careful those first 18 years. You know, Jill, you guys are often in appointments um, all the time, diagnosis, waiting for blood work, doing biopsies. Um, what about the finance end of it for you two? Well, we've been blessed as well, but I will say, you know, when when Grace was initially, because she had to have a bone marrow transplant as part of her treatment. So she was two years old when she was one and a half when we got the diagnosis and she was two years old when she transplanted. Um, and that's quite expensive. So that's over a million dollar procedure. And that was 18 years ago. So I can't imagine what it is today. There are programs I do want to mention. I mean, there are programs for people, even if I, I know we, we were really blessed um, in the state. There, it, it depends on the state you live in. But I want to encourage you, if you are having some type of procedure like that, that is extremely, you know, there are things that are extremely expensive and it's all at one time. Um Look, look at your state. A lot of hospitals will um, give you a caseworker and that type of thing, and they can kind of point you in, in the direction of, you know, where you need to go or what's available in, in that state. Um, I know um, in Minnesota, which is where we moved, and they did have a program um, called TEFRA, 
and and the parent's income did not matter. It, it was always, you just had to medically qualify. And that was a lifesaver for us. Kind of be aware of what's around you and uh, what's available. And it's super important to have good insurance if you have a child that um, that needs that type of help. Is that still in existence? You called it TEFRA? How do you it spell is that? still in existence in the state of Minnesota, T-E-F-R-A. Okay, we'll have a link, friends, for that. Uh, you guys can click on it. You can check it out. But I love the advice, no matter what state you're in, try to get a caseworker, try to work with the hospitals. They know they've got options on this. And I can't even begin to imagine how overwhelming as a mom it is to get this diagnosis, whether it be a short-term, you know, there's only a couple of years left, or it would be a long-term uh, uh, illness. I can't even imagine. Now you're dealing with your own emotions, your own feelings, your marriage, your finances, getting everything together. What does the enemy, the enemy, try to put in your ears um, and drag you down? What's a common thing that you've heard, Susan? Um, I would say depression and anger. Um, can come very easily if you allow yourself. Jill, Jill said so well earlier about that positive mindset and reading the Bible and having Christian friends pray with you or, or you know, someone that you can call and just say, I am really hearing the enemy right now that my life is never going to be okay. And my son is never going to be okay. And we're never going to be happy again. And, you know, we're not ever going to have a healthy family. One of the things Bob and I had the privilege of starting at Westwood was um, the Special Families Ministry many years ago. It's still in existence today, and we're so proud that, that um, Westwood, um, as well as uh, Grace Church in Eden Prairie, make an investment in special families and having programming and support for, for parents that find themselves in this situation. But one of the things with our special family is we started a support group. And there were eight other families in our church that would come to our house every other week and, and meet for several hours. And when you hear other people's stories that are struggling with the same issue, each child was very different. So it wasn't like that, you know, we were the only one with a chromosome deletion and, and other people had other stories, but it makes you realize that you're not a victim. You're not alone. You're not the only couple going through this. And there's power in that. And especially when you pray together with other people, and you know that they're lifting your prayer requests up throughout the week, there's power in that to defeat the devil. So it's really, you know, getting in the Bible, getting around other Christians and recognizing that devil voice that says, that speaks that deceiving, deceptive language to us. He wants to confuse us. He wants to deceive us. And you just have to shut that off as soon as you recognize it. That's what the enemy does. He wants to come, kill, and destroy. And Jill, I know that I'm sure, you know, we're, this is spiritual battleground. It really is. And it says in scripture, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. I did paraphrase that. But um, I know in all areas, especially when you want to glorify God, especially when you stay strong in your faith, again, the enemy creeps into our ears and tries to tell us stuff. Uh, you're not good enough, you know this is a situation maybe you caused or, you know, I don't know, but that's what, how the enemy often works. And so Jill, um, if you would share with me about attitude, how do you keep your attitude up and keep from blaming God? I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's very common for people to blame God, right? It's, it's, that's, that's a, a normal human feeling and an emotion is why God, why did this happen to me? But the fact of it is that 
it says that it rains on the just and the unjust, right? I mean, back when, when sin came into the world, it means that we do have disease and we do have things that we don't want. Um, so I, I, I think that the main thing is, can we kind of have to take one day at a time and we don't look too far right into the future. That's helped me. I used to be very concerned of what she was going to have to face and the things that, um, that she was going to have to deal with. And, and, you know, Grace is, um, very intelligent. She's very, she knows exactly what's going on. It's just medical, you know, stuff. So I think that it's also a really good practice to not always feel like my crow's the blackest, if you will, because the thing is, is that, um, that takes you down a, a dark, a dark tunnel if you do that. But I think that if we can approach things with thankfulness and be like, you know, I thank you, God, that, that you've provided us with this. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that my family is, is happy and, and that we're together and that today everybody's okay, you know, and we just kind of have to take it one day at a time and know that, um, he holds our tomorrows, you know, and, yeah, and, that is and that's great not wisdom. just for grace, that's for all of us. You know, yeah. I remember her transplant doctor to actually telling us that when she was very little, Dr. Dr. McMillan, she said, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly how long that she'll be here, but she said, none of us know how long we'll be here. And that always mm -hmm. stuck with us. And so we just try to make every day count and be a model of God's grace to, to our children. Yeah. And you know, there's times I'm sure that you need to counsel your child, that you need to walk them through it. I mean, uh, you know, point to Christ, uh, talk about the blessings. And I, I loved your attitude, Jill, about um, look at every day as a blessing. This is the positive that happened today. Um, I'm sure that you've had to counsel your child as well as probably your siblings. And so, um, Susan, I'm going to ask you this question, if I could, um, mm -hmm. with your son being um, special needs and really being like a toddler, did your other child ever have any hard feelings toward it or did he show any rebellion or what did you see outbreak from that? You know, we were uh, lucky, as I mentioned earlier in my story, that Bob was home with our sons. And so there's a big enough age gap that Nick was actually in school and uh, Adam was still home with his dad, uh, not going to preschool or first grade yet or kindergarten. And so they had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, you know, from nine to three in his growing up. And then once we um, started bringing care providers into our house to give Nick some one-on-one -on -one attention, that freed us up to take outings with Adam or sit in color with Adam or, you know, take him to a movie. So we were very intentional early on to try and carve out family time. And as um, Nick got older and larger, we used to travel with him um, and camp with him and, and, you know, go places. But as he got bigger and harder to transport, we would then um, pay for a care provider to come spend a week with Nick um, several times throughout each year. And we would take Adam on a vacation, just the three of us. Mm -hmm. So we could have a normal family experience on vacation where we weren't needing to provide 24-hour care to our other son. And that you know, it's just another, I think, so important time to have some of that typical family experiences and not needing to be worried about the care that your other child is receiving because we knew and trusted and loved the, the people that were taking care of, of Nick. 
one of the things I want to go back to about blaming God, um, you know, of course you're angry at God and it, I stayed that way for a number of years. Two things happened with my faith that I, I wanted to share to give encouragement to, to others. Um, I'm a, an activator. I'm a busy person, kind of type A. And so once I got the diagnosis about Nick, I spent so much time and money and effort to find professionals around the country, therapies. I mean, no stone was left uncovered, right? I got so busy for several years, um, never really accepting the situation because I, I just got busy. And there was one time where I was exhausted and at the end of myself and just cried over Nick's in his crib to God. And he was maybe three at the time or two and a half. And just said, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't accept this. I, I don't want this for my life. And God just, the Holy Spirit in that moment came over in my brokenness and just said, I knit him together in your womb. He is perfect in my eyes. Mm. You don't have to fix anything. Amen. And what a revelation. And that memory has sustained me all of these years when I feel like I can't go on. I hear that, that message again of he is perfect in my eyes. You don't have to fix anything. Wow. Powerful. That is just powerful. And, and what a great reminder to tell your own kids, um, you know, as of, of any age of any ability. And Jill, I, I know that as your daughter is older and she's had ongoing treatments, et cetera, um, have you had to counsel her and help her through some of these things? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've definitely talked a lot about that and we try to keep an open conversation. Uh, Grace is 20 years old now and we try to talk about it as a family, even, you know, between Darren and we have an older daughter, um, Katie, and, um, you know, they're best friends. Katie and Grace are best friends for, for those children who um, are aware of what's happening. I think it's yeah. good for them to have a trusted adult, somebody to talk mm -hmm. to. And there are, there are, um, individuals who are specialized in working with children in with those in those situations you know what I mean so mm -hmm. um, you know I I love you, both of your attitudes and I hope ladies if you're listening and you just received a diagnosis for your child a situation maybe you're at your wits end maybe you're in a dark hole of depression maybe you're angry and mad at God I want you to remember absolutely what he tells us I want you to listen to this girls Isaiah 41 10 says fear not. And that's from God. He's telling you, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my right hand. And what peace that is. And friends, if you're listening, you don't know Jesus Christ in that way. If you've never said yes to him and received him in your life. In fact, maybe it's been the opposite. You've been rebelling against him. You're mad at him because of the situation with your family and your kids or your sibling or whatever it is. He brought you here right now for a time such as this. I believe this. To hear this show. To understand that he loves you so much just the way you are. And if you would pray with me, Father God, I want to receive you into my life. Or maybe I need to recommit myself and ask you to come back into my life, Lord, because I have strayed from you. You have not gone anywhere, but I have. And so, Father, I'm asking that you will strengthen me, that you'll hold me in your right hand, that you will guide me. And I'm saying yes to you. Yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. 
I cannot do this on my own. I am way too weak, but you, I am told that the Holy Spirit is my comforter and that he will support and come alongside. He is the helper. And so it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ladies, how can I be praying for both of you? Jill. Um, just continue to pray for, for good health, for, for um, grace and um, all of us, I guess, but also wisdom going forward and, and how, you know, how, how we respond and how we deal with, with the certain um, medical issues that arise. Yeah. yeah. We'll definitely be praying. How about for you, Susan? You know, uh, Nick has been in a group home um, for quite a few years now. He lives just five minutes from our house. So we're able to see him and bring him home and have outings and enjoy his company. But we are reliant on other strange, other staff. They're not strangers to us, of course. They're beloved people in our lives now. Um, but just a prayer that he is well taken care of and, and that he remains healthy. He's been in a really healthy state for several years. We haven't had any health crises. And so just pray that God continues to bless him with good health and with people that love him and can provide his, for his needs. You know, all of us listening are going to rally and pray for both Susan and Jill. In Ephesians, it says, now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine according to the power at work within him. So be it. Ladies, thank you so much, Jill Hunt and Susan Seward, for sharing your experiences, sharing your story, and not only your challenges, but how God has blessed you in and through each of these circumstances. I love you, ladies. This is Sugbury, over and out.